Hey, welcome to episode 58 of the Hockey Free For All podcast. I am your host, Steven Stiles. And let's kick off episode 58 with the Alex DeBrinket going to Detroit trade. So, is anybody else a bit concerned as to what Ottawa was able to get for this player? I mean, you gave up a first-round pick in the previous draft, 7th overall. Now, if you're going to keep this player for a while, that was a legitimate trade by Ottawa in the first place to obtain him from Chicago. But to trade him a year later and end up with left winger Dominic Kabalik, yeah, he's 6'2", yeah, he's 179 pounds, 7th round pick in the 2013 draft, 191st overall. Then you get left-hand defenseman Donovan Sabrango, who was Detroit's 3rd round pick, 63rd overall in 2020, a conditional first, we'll come back to that, and a 4th round pick in the 2024 draft. Now, Detroit, ironically, already owns Boston's first round draft pick in 2024 so unless boston just completely falls apart and has a worse season than detroit thereby ending up with a better draft pick in the first round from boston than they do their own pick you know ottawa's going to get boston's pick in this unless it's better than what detroit does so it's top 10 protected and detroit has the ability to whichever pick is higher goes to ottawa in this deal does anybody else think Steve Eiserman is like a genius criminal here? I mean, they just stole Alex DeBrinket from the Ottawa Senators. Or is that just my view on it? That seems like Ottawa got completely fleeced on that trade. I mean, Eiserman's got to be like pinching himself going, wow, did I really just make that trade? Did I really just pull that off and just obtain a 25-year-old two-time 40-goal scorer for that compensation package? I mean, that just seems really, really odd for Ottawa to be satisfied and believe that it's like, oh no, we got good compensation for that. I mean, it might be more like Ottawa got the best they were going to get. I personally, whether the player wanted to play there or not, I would have held on to this player. And if it took until the trade deadline to do it in the 2024 season, so be it. But I would have at least gotten better compensation than that. That just doesn't seem to be what Ottawa needed at all. And now that Alex DeBrinkett has been traded from Ottawa to Detroit, can somebody throw me a bone or a life jacket or explain in the remotest of ways Vladimir Tarasenko rumors to Ottawa? How does that even make sense in any way, shape, or form? Why would that be considered, oh, we gotta make that move? That makes no sense. I'm trying to find logic here in any way, and I can't. I can't find any logic here at all. Tarasenko, yeah, he's 6'1". Yes, he's 228 pounds. So is he heavier than and just overall larger than DeBrinket? Yes, but he's also seven years older. And if they didn't like the numbers that Alex DeBrinket was tossing out towards him, Tarasenko's not going to come cheap. I mean, unless Tarasenko has one of those years which puts Ottawa right back in the same spot next year, unless Tarasenko goes, you know what? I'm going to have a one-year deal. I'm going to bet on myself that it's going to be a fantastic year, and then I'll cash in next year where I couldn't this year due to salary cap restrictions. But again, at that point, if that's the case, now Ottawa would really be screwed because... Not only do you lose a second player after only a year, but Tarasenko will be an unrestricted free agent. So they have absolutely no leverage. At least they had that going for them with DeBrinket that although he, quote unquote, according to many, held all the cards, hey, you're a restricted free agent. Too bad. So Tarasenko would be even make less sense than the DeBrinket scenario did. My next question centers around a recent player buyout or a player that was not offered a new contract in Detroit, Philip Zadina. 
Why is the release of Philip Zadina making headlines like it's some Gretzky story or like Sidney Crosby has been released or something? I mean, have we just gotten to that point where any story is just like the hottest story on the press? I mean, that makes no sense to have that kind of drama and excitement over a player like Philip Zadina. Yes, he was the sixth overall pick in his draft, but he hasn't done anything. He's never done anything. He just kind of came into the NHL with apparently a lot of people that had a lot of high hopes for him and just kind of fizzled out. Now, the good news is he's relatively young. He has signed a new contract with the San Jose Sharks, value $1.1 million per season. Maybe he can revive his career in San Jose. But I'm trying to figure out why so many people were like, oh my God, Montreal needs to sign Philip Zadina. No, they don't. This desire of Montreal signing like every former high draft pick or every player that, oh, well, they can be the next reclamation project like Kirby Doc. No, they can't. First of all, Montreal has a tremendous amount of prospects that we'll get back to in this episode that are coming through their own organization. Montreal does not need to revive every player in the NHL in their career. Yes, Kirby Doc worked out. Yes, I think Alex Newhook will work out and will probably likely be identical stories. That being said, let's not get ahead of ourselves here. That's a little ridiculous to me. And speaking of ridiculous, on a completely different note, I want to acknowledge a conversation that Connor McKenna and Simon Salikas had on the morning show on TSN 690 radio. It was fantastic to hear Connor McKenna voice his absolute and utter disbelief regarding the absolute jackass behavior of people on social media that somehow thought they were allowed to or had the privilege of both attacking the selection of David Reinbacher and attacking David Reinbacher personally on social media. My question here is what kind of complete moron accosts someone who in no way is responsible for or had anything to do with the issue at hand at all in any way? And what's equally as amazing is these people really actually believe they have somehow been granted that privilege or special right to behave in that way towards anybody else. A little wake-up call here. Wakey, wakey, you don't have any such privilege or right. It has not been bestowed upon you. Come off your God complex. These people apparently see themselves as some type of supreme being. Second reality check, you're not. Not even remotely. Not in any way. Not today. Not tomorrow. Not ever. This must be a light bulb moment for those kind of people. Here's another snap to attention moment for those kind of people. You are no more important than anyone else. Stop buying into your own press. It's extremely embarrassing and pathetic. These idiots went so far to somehow say that the media fueled this response because the media said, oh, well, you know, Mitchkoff should be the guy they draft. Mitchkoff is a generational talent. That was somebody else's opinion. That does not sway anybody else decision-wise to react good, bad, or indifferent. Make your own conclusions. But this issue and this kind of behavior has raised a greater question of importance, and that is where has this kind of behavior originated from? And it's now fostered to the point that people actually believe they have these kinds of special privileges and rights. I mean, was it a parent thing? Was it a teacher or multiple teacher? Was it friends? Do they have mental health issues that require them to be under 24-7 monitoring at a proper type facility for their own well-being and long-term survivability? I mean, that is nuts. That makes absolutely no sense. But the one thing that definitely has to come out of this is it needs to be blatantly clear that there is no place or tolerance for this kind of behavior, period. 
but this is not that kind of podcast. So let's get back to hockey. Other surprising moves. Apparently everybody who thought Dennis Garyanov was headed for the KHL, if anywhere, has surprisingly surfaced and signed a one-year contract with the Nashville Predators for $850,000 a year. Absolutely wish him the best of luck. Maybe once he starts playing in Nashville, he can find that consistency, chemistry, and line mates that has yet to be found in his game that he can gel with and maybe even flourish with in Nashville. I wish him absolutely nothing but the best and hope he puts it together. The New York Rangers, in other news, have signed defenseman Keandre Miller, so people can stop that rumor as far as, oh, Montreal needs to sign Keandre Miller. No, they don't. He signed a new two-year contract with a $7.744 million value to it. The Carolina Hurricanes have signed forward Brendan Lemieux to a one-year $800,000 contract. The Philadelphia Flyers have signed right-winger Garnet Hathaway. The Montreal Canadiens have signed, of course, Alex Newhook to a new four-year $11.6 million contract with an average salary of $2.9 million per year. The weird part about that is that should be great news in the Montreal camp and amongst the Montreal fans, but it has somehow triggered a source of chaos of like, oh, well, now that we signed him, what are we going to do with him? How about everybody takes a deep breath and allows camps to open? And let's just see what unfolds. Let's watch the players evolve into combinations, lines, strengths and weaknesses, how they offset one another, the chemistry and who they develop the best combinations with. How about we go with that route? I mean, is that just like too pragmatic, too rational and just unexciting that is just bizarre that people have this instantaneous oh my god well now we got to figure out exactly what spot of the line he's going to be on and of course he'll have those line mates all year long no doesn't work that way never has there also seems to be a fairly big chaotic brewing of oh my god montreal has as many as 16 forwards okay again we go back to the calm yourself wait for camps to open let's see who gels with who And quite honestly, some people like Mike Hoffman, Christian Dvorak, Joel Armia, and others could end up in Laval. Will they be happy with that? No. Will they clear waivers? And could Montreal possibly lose those players just on waivers? They could, but you know what? The best 20 players are the ones that should be on the roster in Montreal next year to open up the 23-24 season. And cleaning up things before they break for the summer, the Montreal Canadiens have signed defenseman Nicholas Bodin to a one-year two-way contract and forward Lucas Condotta to a two-year two-way contract. So it wouldn't be right to wrap up episode 58 on any other two topics other than these. Dominic Ducharme has been hired by and added to as an assistant coach with the Las Vegas Golden Knights. So it'll be interesting to see all the ghosts that come out of the closets as to how bad he was, how destructive he was to the organization, how he had nothing to do with their 2021 Stanley Cup run, to this is an opportunity for him to recover or recuperate his career and open up the next opportunity for future coaching jobs. But even bigger than that story has to be former first-round draft pick, third overall in the 2012 entry draft selection, Alex Galchenyuk, has already been placed on unconditional waivers for the purpose of terminating his contract. Now you're like, all right, well, what's the big story with that? Well, it comes less than two weeks after the Arizona Coyotes signed him on July 1st. Now, given that there's been no training camps that he could have attended, what happened? That just has a what-the-hell's-going-on storyline to it, so it'll be interesting to follow that as well. Well, that concludes episode 58. I am your host, Stephen Stiles. Thanks for tuning in. Have a fantastic week and even a better weekend.